The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and happy 2022 to everyone. And we're happy that you joined us on this edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. And today we will be visiting with a Dallas dominatrix who believes that with submission comes freedom and invites you to inhale, exhale, and surrender. Mistress Petra Hunter is a professional dominatrix from Dallas. When she's not in the dungeon, she films femdom and fetish clips and plays virtually with kinksters from all over the world through phone calls, texting, and webcam. She loves mockumentaries, making friends with stray cats, and a tightly laced corset. Now, on what women and other wonderful humans want, it's Mistress Petra Hunter. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. You call yourself a fetish enthusiast. What was the first thing that you can ever remember that you were overly enthusiastic about? Um, I was uh, very enthusiastic about um, Egyptology when I was a child. And then my interest in Egyptology sort of got us. Uh, replaced, I guess, by an interest in herpetology. So I was a very unusual little child, um, very, very obsessed with um, pyramids and Egyptian history and pharaohs and the various dynasties. And then um, I turned into a snake person and um, started getting into reptiles probably around like third grade or so, but fourth grade was really when I hit my stride. Interesting. First time you ever felt powerful and used that power. Oh boy. Well, uh, so one of the things that, gosh, okay. How, how to phrase this exactly. Um, I learned very early on that I could intimidate boys just by staring at them. I perfected my death glare pretty early on. And um, so I remember probably around 13, if not younger than that, realizing that there was something so thrilling about realizing how much power I had over other people just by looking at them a certain way. 
I love that. First time you ever put on a cat suit and your reaction looking into the mirror. It took me a few years of wearing cat suits to really find my stride, so to speak, and to figure out, you know, okay, well, I like this material. I like, uh, I like these accessories with it, that sort of thing. So pretty sure the first time that I put on a cat suit, I didn't wear it with a corset or anything like that. And so to me, a corset is pretty essential with my cat suits um, because otherwise there's just all of that extra fabric around my waist, you know, and it's not, it's not very smooth and it's a less impressive mm. silhouette. So it took me a while to get to that point, but um, there, there are definitely some photos of me that exist with my first catsuit where uh, I hadn't quite figured out the corset thing yet. <laughs> and so those are fun to look back on because, you know, I've grown. First time you ever opened your computer or turned on your phone and went to your Instagram account and saw that it was gone. <laughs> okay, um, let's see. My Instagram got deleted for the first time in August of 2018. And I remember that because it was absolutely devastating. So I, I switched to a backup account pretty much immediately. And I was able to get my first account back a few months later. I, I didn't even have it back for a year before it got deleted again. Really, really unfortunate. Uh, yeah. I'm on Instagram number four, just for everyone listening at home. At the time of recording, by the way, I could very well be on uh, number five or even number six or seven by the time you're listening to this. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> Final question in the first five for Petra Hunter. First time you ever had a sub or a client tell you that you have made a difference in their life. And why did they tell you that? One of my favorite things about kink is that um, I've, I've always enjoyed really helping people feel comfortable with themselves and exploring the side of themselves that they, that for many people is a secret, especially to like the closest people around them. And I've, I've always really appreciated being chosen and entrusted with letting, you know, being the one to guide people through this exploration of their their secret sides so I think it made the first time like not as memorable for that reason since that was already something that I had found so fulfilling to, to share one recently uh my slave for example um my slave uh we just had our three-year meeting anniversary and he tells me all the time about how much of a difference I've made in his life. And he tells me all the time about how thankful he is for my presence. And I mean, you know, because he is my slave, um, I am a, a lot closer with him than others. So of course I'm going to realize and notice that he is so thankful in those ways. When we come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want with Mistress Petra Hunter, we are going to talk a little bit about the quality of inhale, exhale, and surrender when we come back. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? 
Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports. No, not the jet ski kind. And you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. I wanted to take a moment to tell you about my friends at Lotus Blooms. Lotus Blooms is an adult shop with a different kind of feel. You'll notice the difference when you walk into the warm, welcoming shop where everyone is welcome and celebrated. They offer a beautiful collection of size-inclusive lingerie and steel bone corsets, and their staff loves helping folks find something they feel amazing in. They also carry a curated collection of body-safe sex toys and vibrators, impact toys, and restraints. And their incredible staff are trained as educators, and they look forward to helping you explore your pleasure. Visit them in Alexandria, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., or shop online at www.lotusblooms.com. This is Tanya Tate. And have you listened to my podcast? Tanya Tate presents MILFs Making Money. I share a whole lot of positivity, tips and tools on how myself and other women in the adult industry make money on premium social media platforms. If you want to hear me interview many different guests, then get yourself over there. MILFsMakingMoney.com and you can also search my name, Milf's Making Money, on all of your usual podcast platforms. And if you enjoyed listening to What Women Want podcast, make sure you get yourself over and subscribe to my podcast, MilfsMakingMoney.com. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. And welcome back to the show, joined by Mistress Petra Hunter down in Big D. Is Texas right for people who want to submit? Or is it really a dominant area where it's hard to find people to submit? Working in a, in a red state is a lot different than working in a blue state, probably just in terms of self-acceptance. Kink is still pretty taboo out here, which is pretty unfortunate, I think. In a way, that makes my job even more fulfilling because I know that for a lot of people, especially people who are new to kink or who have you know, fantasized for years, but they've never actually done anything, that sort of thing. Um, The fact that it is still so taboo out here and it is still something that so many people are nervous about or deeply ashamed of 
it makes whenever they finally do show up uh, even more rewarding. Because I know that, you know, for certainly not all of them by any means, there are so many out and proud kingsters out here, but for the folks who are just dipping their toe in, for example, or, you know, just diving in for the first time, I know that for a decent number of them, it took, it took some work. It was a leap. It was a risk. And I appreciate that. My first public scene was at the sanctuary. Oh, no way. It was a lovely scene with a beautiful top name, uh, Secret Vixen, who I still am very close with. She calls me her favorite Yankee. And I said, I'm not a Yankee. She goes, yes, you are. You live up there. (laughs) But I felt the same thing, that Texas had this newer generation of people that were really happy to express themselves. But I also know that Texas has a lot of executives and millionaires and people who have to make decisions and the psychological aspect of kink. I know that's something that you embrace, but it's also something that people realize they have to give into from time to time. How, how do you help guide someone who doesn't quite know what they need? Oh gosh. Okay. That one's, um, that one's tricky. So, uh, first, before I get into that, um, I think it's important to mention that not everyone who's into kink plays into those stereotypes of being the executive and the businessman and the doctor and the lawyer. Um, so many of my submissives are working class. It's important to me to clear up that, you know, you don't have to be a super powerful person to want to submit to someone. Again, as someone who sees a decent amount of new people and people who have thought about kink for years and have never done it until now. I've certainly spoken with a number of people who have been worried that they're not an ideal submissive because they don't they don't have the corner office or they're not an ideal submissive because they're not you know they're not a manager they're not a doctor they didn't go to law school that sort of thing and i mean i think if you ask any any dominatrix will tell you that our clients are just so so varied some of my favorite sessions have been with long haul truckers. So, <laughs> you know, for anyone listening out there who is a little concerned that you may not be the stereotypical submissive, I really encourage you to not let that get in your way. I think that kink is an orientation. And so I think that there's really nothing equating someone's orientation with their financial status. Like what? <laughs> okay. Uh, back to your question though. How do I help people get into that headspace? At the end of the day, I can try, but I certainly can't force them. Um, One of my favorite things to do to really help people feel a little bit more out of control or to sort of give up just a bit more. um, I mean, of course, it's going to depend on who I'm playing with because everyone is so different and everyone's needs are so nuanced and individualized. Um, Some people respond really well to heavy bondage and sensory deprivation. Um, Some people who have a hard time turning their brain off find find it to be a little bit easier to turn their brain off if they're immobilized in a sleep sack and, you know, they're blindfolded and gagged and they have 
um, noise canceling headphones on and, you know, that sort of thing. But then there are plenty of other people who don't react well to that at all and who do so much better with a very collaborative scene. So lots of checking in, no sensory deprivation so they can see what I'm doing. More of a session approach where I'm like a kinky friend, basically, just sort of explaining things and showing them that it's okay. One of my favorite parts about kink and uh, power exchange and things of this nature is that body parts don't always act the way we think they should. And I love that because so many people do go into sessions or scenes with this idea of, okay, you know, I am giving up control. There is this power exchange happening, but I'm still going to have a slight amount of control over my own body. And then whenever they realize that they don't actually, like that's such a mindfuck for them and I love it. Um, so I see this, for example, uh, sometimes heavy masochists for whatever reason just cannot take the same level of a beating that they usually can. You know, their bodies just aren't having it. Um, plenty of folks who are interested in you know, like cum eating or anything else that involves um, an erect penis, you know, uh, genitals don't always act the way we think they should either. And I love that. Um, same thing with assholes and size queens. <laughs> so I want to get back to talking about kink as an orientation, because growing up, I didn't have a choice. What was turning me on and what caused me to have orgasms was the sight of a cat suit or someone being tied up. That is what created happiness for me. It wasn't necessarily the sight of a beautiful woman, although I appreciate the sight of a beautiful woman, but if she's wearing a cat suit, all the better. But I went through so much of my life, here I am 58 now, going there's no way that's normal. But I'm discovering as I move on in life that the definition of normal isn't necessarily what everybody thinks it is because it's different for everybody. I think that for a lot of people, their concerns about what is normal or what is abnormal is rooted in shame. In the United States, sexuality is pretty taboo. Even, even vanilla sexuality, I think, um, Obviously, you know, vanilla sexuality is a hell of a lot more accepted than kink, but uh, I, I, I just think there's so much sexual shame that's mm -hmm. just sort of like ingrained in our culture that you can't but help to pick up. I, I, I agree that there is no normal because as you mentioned, what's normal for someone else might be totally weird and abnormal for someone else. Whenever I'm doing negotiations with um, new submissives before scenes, I will make sure to ask very specific questions whenever they mention an interest in, well, I mean, really anything, honestly, because so many things of kink are, again, nuanced and individualized. So what works for one person is the total opposite of another person. So, you know, uh, just saying that you have a foot fetish isn't enough because some people are absolutely absolutely repulsed by sweaty feet whereas some foot fetishists absolutely adore it and 
with verbal humiliation. Sometimes people have words that they that are triggers for them that they can't be called. And those words might be something that someone else who's into verbal hum humiliation might find really mild and really easy to handle, you know? Some people with humiliation fetishes might have certain things that are off limits. The same thing with, you know, cross-dressing, feminization, that sort of thing. There's no one scene fits all or one activity fits all that I'm ever comfortable defaulting to, not that I'd even want to anyway, because that is, that just sounds so boring to me. And I much prefer knowing as much as possible before I, before I go in, because it just gives me so much more to work with. Talking to someone about what they think is abnormal or what they think is normal and just telling them in one way or another that their abnormal is totally normal for someone else or their normal is the weirdest thing someone else has ever heard of. I think a lot of people find it comforting. Mm -hmm. I think it helps with the shame a lot. I'm going to mention something here that may or may not have made the final cut, but sure. you mentioned that you have ADHD and you're trying to figure out how to put your words together. Yes. So I want to ask you this question specifically. Sure. Does being a dominatrix help you in your focus? Sometimes, especially if I am very, very excited about a scene. Sometimes it takes me a little bit longer to feel like I've really dropped into the scene because my mind is moving, you know, a million miles a minute and I just don't feel like I've quite dropped into things. In scenes, I there's, there's a very concrete moment for me when I start to feel like I've reached this flow state and that's ideal for me and I love it. And sometimes, you know, I'm able to reach it pretty much instantly. And then there are other days where for whatever reason, my brain just doesn't want to cooperate with me. And it takes me a while to really feel like I've settled in fully. Now, anytime that I've ever really talked with a submissive about this, they have never said that they noticed anything. So it, it does make me wonder how much of something that I am self-conscious about is coming across to someone else. Because I mean, you know, if I am feeling a little scattered or if I am feeling like it's a little bit harder for me to rein in my thoughts, of course I feel self-conscious about that. And it's something that I sometimes wish I didn't have to deal with. But at the end of the day, that's really just who I am. And I'm so much more interested in playing with submissives who are interested in playing with me because I'm me and not just because, you know, I, I was the first mistress to respond to their email, you know? How much difference is there between Mistress Petra Hunter the dominatrix and the person that is you? I mean, not much. I, I, I don't think that any mistress would be able to survive in this field for so long and continue to take such joy in their work if they were faking it. I think it's pretty easy for people to assume that 
we're just acting and that this is just some sort of mask we put on for a few hours and then you know we, we peel it off at the end of the day and then we just go home to our vanilla unkinky lives and you know we talk shit about our clients to you know our vanilla friends and talk about how weird they are or whatever but maybe that happens with a few mistresses but if so they've got to be really damn good actors because I just don't see a way for a mistress who's truly passionate about BDSM to fake it and to have such a divide between their real life or <laughs> their real life and their their kink persona. For example, on a very very shallow surface level, I don't wear cat suits in my personal life all the time. I love wearing cat suits. Just because I wear like leggings and t-shirts on my off days sometimes doesn't mean that, you know, like everything else about Petra is this big scam or this big ruse or whatever. I don't think that anyone would really be able to fake it and convincingly fake it. I've found that through at least the last three years that the genuine me is more catsuit and the actor is more John. Mm -hmm. That my kindness and my personality and my desire to please others is my true personality. And I kind of put that in the catsuit realm, mm -hmm. but John is the same person. Mm -hmm. And I think what I've done is been able to mold these two things together. And that has helped me in just regular everyday life and being, being able to be free and talk about it in that way has really helped as well. Mm -hmm. So after a, a good scene and you go back and you think of obviously what the submissive got out of it, what is it that you take away from it? What is left in your heart and in your brain and in your soul that fills you up after a scene? I want to have a good time too. And so... This kind of goes along with what I mentioned earlier about wanting to play with submissives who are interested in playing with me because I'm me rather than, you know, because I was the first person to respond to their email. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in playing with submissives just because I want an easy paycheck. Um, I'm really not interested in that. It's not fulfilling for me at all. I'm really only interested in meeting with submissives and playing with submissives that I genuinely think I'm going to have a good time with. Mm -hmm. I love having a good time in, in, in sessions and after scenes, I there's a wonderful sense of fulfillment that just washes over me after I sit down for the first time and start crashing immediately afterwards. But um, knowing that we shared an experience that is so unique and cannot be replicated and was so personal and intimate and exciting and spontaneous um, with each other and that they share that same enthusiasm that I do. That feels amazing. That feels so, so wonderful. It's, it's so fulfilling for me to know that not only did I have a good time, but the person that I had a really good time with 
loved it just as much as I did, if not more. When we come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want with Mistress Petra Hunter, we will talk a little bit about coming out of the dungeon and going in front of the camera when we return. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the show. John, a.k.a. Hi there, Katsu, joined by Mistress Petra Hunter from Big D. And one of the things that I have absolutely been just amazed by is your resilience when it comes to Instagram and it really (laughs) takes center stage today because I discovered you when you were rebuilding your account and saw the history of Petra Hunter going by with the caption simply being the year that the picture was taken Mm. and you started noticing that I would comment on it and just talk about how you've evolved and the way your style and your look has evolved and and just was absolutely, I'll use the word enamored with them. I just thought <laughs> that you presented this wonderful persona, this wonderful grace, this wonderful beauty in everything that you did. And I went to go to your Instagram today and what do I find? three images basically saying your Instagram is gone. Okay. So you found those because, um, I, I recently deleted all of my, uh, pictures off of my Instagram. Those were at the very bottom of the Instagram that you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up deleting everything on a whim the other day because there have been a slew of catfish accounts Um, over the past few weeks, uh, stealing my images, and I got tired of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to be online for 
over a decade before this started to become a problem. Mm -hmm. And um, admittedly, I was a little confused that, you know, go go for a decade as a very visible person on the internet and, um, you know, only run into like one or two photo thieves or, you know, catfish accounts or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, as I um, wrap up my wrap up my 11th year to be bombarded with imposters was very strange because nobody nobody stole my pictures before. So I never bothered putting like obnoxious watermarks over them or, you mm -hmm. know, I tried for a while and kind of just gave up on it because I didn't see a use for it. I got I got pretty mad about people uh, stealing my photos. So I wiped all of my social media recently and decided that if I post anything, it's going to have really obnoxious watermarks over it. And I mean, like this just happened a few days ago. So at this point, I'm really starting. I I still need to rethink my strategy for, for like exactly what I'm doing, especially with Instagram. Mm -hmm. But that's why you don't see any pictures anymore. You just see the uh, notifications that I posted whenever um, my third account was deleted back mm -hmm. in September 2021. You put all this amazing work into it and then somebody tries to take it from you. When you've had all these challenges of just getting that work out in the first place, I have been shocked by the double standards that Instagram, and you can mention just any platform now uses mm -hmm. when it comes to pictures. Oh yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really infuriating. Do you ever think we are going to get to a place in our lives, and especially you living there in Texas, where, where you live in kind of a, a bubble all your own there, are we ever going to get to the point where we're comfortable talking about these things and it's not going to be such uh, a thing of one group's going to tell another how to live? Are we starting to, with the younger generation, starting to get there? Because it seems like many of the younger generation are starting to get it and starting to be accepted. Uh, um, accept things and even embrace things. You see it with gender, you see it with orientation, you see it with life. Do you think we're ever going to get there? I mean, that's, that's tricky. I would like to think that we will, but I don't know when. I absolutely think that everything is going to get way, way worse before it gets any better. Um, I think that, you know, like you mentioned, younger generations, Gen Z, I think Gen Z is great. Um, I think Gen Z is really just so accepting and so open-minded and wonderful in that way. But just based off of, you know, the political climate of the country, I think there is, um, there are a lot of much bigger issues that are, are going to have to be worked through first. So I would love to say that, yeah, absolutely. We're going to, we're going to beat it. We're going to make it to a point where, you know, um, people aren't scandalized by women in latex standing next to a cage. Um, and you know, that my Instagram account won't be deleted for the 700th time <laughs> for posting something like that. I think that realistically, 
so much more has to be done and it's going to get worse before it gets better. So um, I think a lot of sex workers are really just kind of um, buckling down at this point and uh, waiting for things to get worse. One of the things that I have noticed uh, about your work and especially in trying to do some research and background for this show is some of the videos that you've done that's just you. There's nobody else in it. It's just you speaking to the camera. How is it that you are able to get such incredible, intense connections, maybe going back to when you were a little girl with that steely-eyed look that you said that you used? How is it that you get such an amazing connection with the camera to where the viewer of the video is feeling that power right through the screen? I honestly don't know because I'm just being myself. I don't have any secret tricks or anything like that uh, because 99% of my videos, unless they're a custom or something, like they're just improvised. Um, a lot of my a lot of my videos start because I have an idea for a title or I even don't even have an idea for a title. I just have some sort of idea for a premise and then I turn the camera on and just roll with it and improvise the whole way. So I guess an easy, easy answer is that um, you just think I'm good at it. And maybe I am, but that's another, you know, that's, that's, that's another thing. Um, plenty of people don't like my videos. Uh, plenty of people think that my videos are boring. Plenty of people just aren't into them at all. Plenty of people think that, you know, other mistresses do um, femdom POV videos a lot better than I do. So I, I think it just depends on who's watching. Let me share something with you that is an observation from my viewpoint. Sure. And you have to realize that Obviously, I will enjoy videos featuring somebody in a cat suit more than I will just a naked female saying, hey, you should be doing this because I'm naked. Uh, of course, that's, gonna, that's going to appeal to me more. But this is when I knew that your talent spoke to me in a big way and how I think it connects with people. When you donned a COVID mask, or a medical mask, or a, a face mask, and did your videos, and your eye, despite the fact that you couldn't see your expression, your eyes carried the power all the way through it to the point where you didn't need to see expression. And to me, that is a talent that not many people have because when you're expressive, genuinely expressive, authentically expressive, it comes out in your eyes. And you can tell somebody's being genuine by doing that. And that's what impressed me so much was the fact that I could tell your genuineness in the, the passion and the joy that you put into your videos, that not even a mask was going to stop you from doing what you wanted to do. Well, thank you. That is a, that's a, that's an interesting observation for sure. I had never really quite thought of that. I, I didn't, I didn't really put that much um, thought into wearing a mask like that. I mostly wore it because, um, you know, COVID was happening and masks were more normalized and 
I was able to find some that were pretty fetishy and I thought everything looked good together. <laughs> and it seemed, you know, it seemed like a weird, but kind of normal, normal thing. I think there's something about it that kind of uh, encapsulated the strangeness of 2020. And as we get ready to move to out of 2020 and 2021 into 2022, I want to look at the future a little bit. Where do you see yourself in about 10 years? What do you dream about and what do you imagine? I've never been a 10-year plan, five-year plan type of person. I've always been much more interested in living in the moment and existing as I am in the moment. So Gosh. Um, and I have to tell you, I admire you for that because that's been probably my number one challenge in my life <laughs> is being able to live in the moment because people are always expecting something from me or have expected something from me. And you go back, said, what did I do wrong? Or, oh gosh, I got to take care of that. And the living in the moment part that's where kink comes in for me. It's forcing me to be in a moment. And that's a beautiful time. Gosh, I just listening to you explain all of that got me just, you know, thinking about all of that and um, forcing, forcing people to be present. And I, I guess it goes back to turning off your brain, you know, living in a very special moment in time. And I love that. I love that too. So 10 years, what do I, what do I want to be doing? Well, I mean, um, whatever it is, I hope that, I just hope that, I hope that I'm happy and I hope that I'm as fulfilled as I am now. I certainly don't see 10 years from now, I could be doing anything significantly different. I certainly don't have any sort of 10 year plan to, you know, leave the industry or whatever. 10 years, 10 years from now, I will be just an older version, an older version of myself, still, still living in the moment, still trying to get my shit together, still enthralled by all of the possibilities that kink provides. And still a way to your heart is something from a little bakery in Richardson, right? Well, I mean... There, there, there are a lot of ways, a lot of ways to my heart. If you want to bring me snacks, well then, yeah, there's a, there, there's a bakery in Richardson that I love snacks from, but that's certainly not the only way. I have really enjoyed talking to you and learning more about you. I find you fascinating in so many ways, and I am really honored that you took the time to speak with me today, and it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Hey, it's been great to be here. I've enjoyed speaking with you as well. What a great conversation with a great woman. And oh, by the way, it's her birthday today. Just great talking to Mistress Petra Hunter. Next week on the show, it is the headmistress of DomCon, the biggest fetish model and professional dominatrix convention in the country. It's the legendary Mistress Cyan joining us next week on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Until then, I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always.
What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.